Hello, and welcome to the Stable Reports podcast. Stable Report is a new site dedicated to curating the best resources related to stablecoin projects. We celebrate the development of stablecoins and see them as a stepping stone to mainstream adoption of cryptocurrencies for a daily use of transactions. If you'd like to get acquainted with what stablecoins are, visit our website or follow us on Twitter at Stable Report. And let us know what you think. As always, if you see we're missing something, please contact us. Without further ado, I am glad to introduce our guests today. Heli Dotteford, co-founder and CEO of Globcoin, and CFO Linda Lini. Globcoin is a company based in Crypto Valley of Zug, Switzerland, which issues GLX, a centralized ERC-20 stablecoin pegged to the 15 global currencies, the top 15 global currencies, plus gold. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having us, Leon. Thank you, Leon. Thank you very much. So, I have to start with this question every podcast interview. What got you guys interested in cryptocurrency and particularly what inspired you to create a stablecoin? Hmm. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a very good question. In fact, uh, uh, that uh, comes back to the history of the, of the index that is linked to our stablecoin, which is called uh, GRCI, Global Reserve Currency Index. It's an index that we created uh, in 2010 at that time, we were uh, involved in the fiat uh, currency management business. We had uh, up to $23 billion of uh, asset under management in currency risk. And some clients were asking us a, st a stable currency. Um, at that time, it was not stable crypto, but stable like uh, virtual currency. And um, we designed a basket of currency that was representing 85% of the world economy. And uh, in fact, we manage portfolios against this basket as a benchmark, as a reference, if you want. So we have been doing that for many years in the fiat world. And what we uh, found with crypto, the, the, the big benefit for us is with crypto is that you cannot, in the foreign exchange market, the traditional one, you have to manage clients for at least 10 million US dollar equivalent because the structure of the FX market is such that below this amount for such a basket, you just cannot do it. It's not, you know, it's too expensive and even it's impossible to do. Now, uh, thanks to crypto and thanks to blockchain, we can tokenize, the, tokenize this kind of basket and offer it to the man of the street for $100 equivalent. So that's, uh, in fact, we started uh, in 2014-15, we started to think about it. And uh, again, with the history of, of Globcoin, what we started to do is to create uh, a, a multi-currency card with, uh, in a partnership with MasterCard to be able to um, uh, have this product on a mass payment uh, media, such as a, a, a multi-currency MasterCard. Uh, and in fact, we have this product up and running since now uh, 2016. Uh, but unfortunately, the credit card schemes are a little bit reluctant to have our GLX. So, in fact, the GLX came after, and we are now uh, on the crypto and Ethereum uh, with the GLX, but in, in fact, the credit card was first. So, um, what br brought us to the blockchain, it's just because otherwise we could not offer our, uh, our product on a retail basis without the blockchain. Um, so I'm really curious about the GLX. Um, how is the percentage of the collateral defined? And what was the research that went into this? Okay. The objective was 
to take the 15 largest currency in the world, linked to, uh, to the 15 largest economy, and also to have a, a bit of gold because let's uh, when we created in 2010, that was just two years after the financial crisis of 2008. And if you remember, people were very, very uh, uh, concerned about what the central banks were doing in, you know, like uh, uh, all these... Uh, new measures and uh, creation of money, money printing by all central banks. And the idea was to mitigate the risk, not to be relying on just one central bank, but to have that in terms of diversification, that basket. So what we, uh, the weight were supposed to represent 80 to 90% of the world economy, especially including uh, emerging market currencies or uh, at least the uh, the, the, the largest one. So today we have 15 currency plus gold. Gold has 5%. And the, the weight of the, uh, of the other 15 is determined by their weight in the global GDP as published by the IMF. And is rebased by the PPP, the purchasing power parity. So that takes into account also some currencies such as in yuan rupia, for example, it is really undervalued by PPP terms. And it is uh, the uh, the weights are rebalanced every quarter, uh, and uh, yeah, that has been. I mean, it's quite stable. You know, every quarter we we might have a little bit of rebalancing, but usually it's quite small. And this is done every quarter through an oracle, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and the data we take them from from the IMF very simply. Okay. Um. In, in the marketing materials from Globcoin, it states that GLX is more stable than the Swiss franc. And I love that copy. Um, but I'm curious, <laughs> what, what do you mean, for example, what happens if one of the underlying currencies were to collapse? Well, it's a very good question, too. It is, it is uh, more than twice as st more stable than Swiss franc because we run studies against mo major currencies. And that's really what uh, the data give uh, in terms of volatility of, the, of that currency against each main currency. Uh, in case of one of the component crash, and we had that case several times, we had, of course, the rubble. Probably, the, even if the weight of the rubble is quite small, it's roughly 3% in the index. When the rubble two or three years ago was collapsing, uh, the, I mean, its weight in the global index fell from three and a half to two and a half percent. Now in terms of performance, because it's so diversified that the performance uh, of the global index was really, really stable, even with this kind of thing. Uh, if the dollar against major currency was plunging or if the euro, or, of course it would have more uh, incidents, but taken into account the diversification and the fact that we have those 16 allocation in any case, the uh, uh, the effect would be quite subdued, and we have now we have been following this index for more than eight years, and we have back test another twelve years of back test so si since uh, uh, 1998. So really know how it works. Uh, I think we have seen almost everything what was possible, with even some black swans. Maybe we'll have other black swans, but we are because of the construction itself, we are quite confident that the diversification effects uh, the diversification effect plays its role interesting 
So is it backed one-to-one -one or is it over-collateralized in the case of a black swan event if there is like, I don't know, for whatever reason, loss in confidence on the value of, 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 uh, of the Globcoin token? One by one. One by one, there is no leverage. Every time we issue a JLX, we'll, we'll buy, on the other side, we'll buy uh, the equivalent of those 15 currencies plus gold uh, on a one-by-one one one basis. Okay. So, how does Globcoin generate revenue? Can you share what the incentives of the GCP utility token holders are? Oh, okay. Um, in terms of business model, uh, the, uh, the business model of the stablecoin, of the JLX, is twofold. We have an issuance fee and we have trading fee because people go to, to us and they ask price and, well, we have, of course, a spread on that one. Uh, that's basically... But they, I mean, the fees that we are charging are quite low because we believe in volume. I told you we were managing $23 billion uh, in our uh, former company, and so we like volume. We, we think that stablecoins are perfect uh, instrument to hedge risks, and we know that uh, the amount of risk to be hedged is huge. So we prefer to have low fees and, and being considered as good hedging tools, that means cheap hedging tools. Uh, the business model of the UTT token, the UTT token we have is a kind of VIP access to the coin. So if you have enough uh, GCP, first you have direct access to us, to our trading desk, if you want to convert your uh, cryptos into GLX to, as a safe, safe haven. And also you don't pay any fee. So in fact, you know, it's a VIP card to have uh, that direct access for for. Free. <laughs> Can you share? Will will the collateral? How is the collateral held by Globcoin? Is it held in multiple banks to reduce potential risks of censorship to bank runs to whatever events that one cannot foresee? Exactly. Exactly. We are working with several banks. Uh, maybe Linda, you want to comment on that one? Yes, um, we're working with we're working several. with several banks because we need to diversify the risk. Um, by holding um, the money in different entities. Whether they want to make themselves public will be their decision because different banks have different um, public statements at the moment regarding cryptos. Um, so that will be their decision, not ours. But we will be as transparent as possible in terms of everything we do. And that's in terms of our banking partners also in terms of our audit and anything else that is required to make sure that people understand exactly what goes into our stablecoin. What's your answer to people that criticize fiat-backed stablecoins because it keeps us dependent on central bank-issued currencies? I think that um, a stablecoin needs to be tied to something. It can be tied to something that everyone knows, like fiat money, or it could be tied to something which is either more difficult to source globally, less well-known globally, where the price, um, uh, the transparency of price also may not be so good. The, the advantage of fiat is everyone knows it, everyone has some, everyone understands the problems of their own fiat currency, Every, and also, it's very, very tradable. There's high price transparency. Anyone will be able to go and look at the price of euro against dollar 
or any other currency, and that's what we think is important for people too. And by, by the way, we are not depending on one central bank, we are depending on 15 central banks, yes. plus gold, which is by definition decentralized. <laughs> True. It's, and would you, have you guys ever imagined a future without a central bank issued fiat? Is such a thing even possible within the realm of? Uh, well, I think both systems can coexist. Uh, it's uh, it's different function. I think the role of cryptos and stable coins will grow tremendously in the, in the future years. But the role of central banks is different. Uh, I'm sure that we'll have uh, a lot of interaction with them once all the uh, issues of KYC, ML, and everything which is related to compliance are solved. I think that in the coming years, uh, the two systems will, will, uh, will collaborate. Um, and even some central banks will have their own ones, by the way. So, <laughs> Linda, I don't know if you want to add yeah, something. Those, uh, I mean, central bank digital currency is already being developed. The, there's several central banks who have publicly stated that they are exploring launching their own digital currency. If they are the, those are the ones who've actually said it publicly, I'm pretty sure there's more who are actually looking into it behind closed doors. And I'm very confident that there will be, um, you know, digital currencies from the central banks very soon. I mean, Singapore and Norges in particular have said that they're doing it. Um, and there's a lot of central banks that Ellie and I know because we've dealt with them previously in investment banking. And we're, we probably have some ideas on which ones are going to be first off the block, but there's some very, very, you know, eager people there at the central banks to stay with the curve, not necessarily be ahead of it, but I think they will stay with the curve. That's fascinating. Fascinating. What are your thoughts um, on crypto collateralized uh, stable coins, as well as most importantly, even, uh, or more controversial, algorithmically uh, or senior at shares? Uh, stable coins. So in the other two models. I think um, crypto collateralized will be good once everyone is in cryptos and once there is the liquidity and more importantly the price transparency for all the cryptos they may want to include. I think algorithmic as well will always have a place but a model is a model. We need more than a model to actually make something worse work. I think there's a lot of room in stable coins and that lots of different types can coexist in the same way that there is variety in any market. If you want to buy a mobile phone, you have a lot of different choices. So different types will definitely coexist. Um, and I think that's that's healthy. Yeah, I agree. Ellie, any thoughts on any thoughts on, on senior edge shares, uh, algorithmic stable coins? Uh, I've seen some, a uh, lot of models, uh, very interesting intellectually speaking. Um, we used in, in our former company, we had a team of six uh, uh, like AI specialists in foreign exchange. So we, we love that. We love these models. In, we will not apply that in, uh, on our, our stable coins for you know, other reasons. But it's always very intellectually, intellectually, it's always very interesting. How do you see this ecosystem moving moving forward? Will there be thousands of stable coins? Will there be mergers, failures, or even a winner takes all? How do you how do you guys see the stablecoin ecosystem evolving? 
I think that this could slim down and I would personally expect to see around 20 projects in say two years time. Whether that means that some of them will merge, whether that means that some of them will maybe adjust their business plan to use their current models in a different way that isn't a stable coin, but I can't see a need for 80 stable coins. There aren't even, for example, 80 really tradable fiat currencies. So do we on that basis need 80 stable coins? That's a very good point. Um, I'm curious, um, as you guys continue to deliver on the, on the goals of your roadmap, um, what your main use cases are? Are you are you is Globcoin also interested in reaching um, people in developing nations, for example? Yeah, we do have a, a project in the developing nations. Absolutely, uh, our first uh, uh, first use case, in fact, is uh, in in many countries. Is will be used as a payment token in many countries, including. Uh, developing countries, uh, you know that our basket uh, is composed of almost 50% of developing countries' currencies, fiat currencies, so that means we are completely convinced that the growth and uh, where the action will be really in the next years will be the developing countries. If you look at what's going on in Asia, in Africa, uh, in terms of payments, for example, how innovative they've been. So, no, you're right. It's uh, It's for us as a stablecoin and as a payment token, is uh, that's where the action will be mostly. So in theory, if if I'm from a country of um, any of these underlying uh, fiat pegs that form uh, the GLX basket, I wouldn't have to convert into another currency to then be able to buy GLX, but in theory, I could just on-ramp to GLX if, if I'm from a country within this basket, correct? Yes, but even if you are not in a country of this basket, if you buy the GLX, probably the volatility of the country where you live against the GLX will be very low, much lower than even against US dollar. Uh, if you take, the, uh, let's take the, the, the dollar example and let's say someone not in developing country, in a very developed country such as Australia. If you have your savings in Australian dollar and uh, you have expenses in US dollar, for example, some years ago, Australian dollar was... Um, was 0.48 against US dollar. Then it went up to 1.10, and then today we are at 0.72. So that's kind of volatility. That's, uh, you know, it's double price in some years. Uh, and so imagine in uh, emerging market uh, countries how volatile it is against main currency. That, I think that's why I like the, the basket approach, because it provides a mean of hedging something stable against the uh, currency of the country you live, against your national currency. That's the main benefit we see in, uh, in the basket approach. And also, um, just to give an example, so for example, Latin America, we don't, what we have in the basket is we have Brazil and we have Mexico. But if you live in one of the neighboring countries or anywhere else in Latin America, your economy is probably quite affected by Mexico and Brazil. So that probably, to a certain extent, your, your currency is, is a little bit influenced there. So having the neighboring currencies even in the basket to where you live 
affects your life. In the same way for, for the Indian subcontinent, we have the Indian rupee. In terms of um, the, some of the Asian countries, we have the Indonesian rupiah. So even if you don't live in Indonesia, for example, my mother, um, half of my family is from Malaysia, but they very, very closely follow the Indonesian rupiah. Of course. That's fascinating. Um, could you share a bit about the developments with, uh, with your wallet and, and, and what the goals are there? Um, I, I'm curious about how you're connecting uh, developments. Blockchain plans to, to come up with a wallet um, pretty soon. But I also saw in the roadmap that you actually also want to have uh, brick and mortar locations for exchanges. So I'm, I'm, curious, I'm curious about um, the need for a physical location if, if a wallet is coming, is coming out soon. Yeah, so we've got the um, Globcoin crypto platform. Yes, you're absolutely right. So that is going to be not need a physical location. The reason that we will probably want to expand and have other locations around the world is to really um, tie in with our partners so that we can expand our partnerships because, as Ellie said, one of the uses will be as a payment token and that will be, we foresee that being used by um, people in different geographies who may need um, to use it for payments as a payment mechanism. Also, for the future, GLX is our first stablecoin, but it will not be our only stablecoin. And one thing that we outline very clearly in our white paper is we do want to be able to produce a suite of stable coins that may um, <clears throat> be very specific to a geography, a geographical reason, region, for example, Latin America, Southeast Asia, or it may be applicable to a group um, who have something in common, for example, the petro, the petro industry, where everything is currently priced in dollars. Maybe in the future, oil will be priced in GLX. Why not? In which case, we want to be able to be globally where the petrochemical industry is. Fascinating. I think that covers uh, most, of, most of the questions. And uh, remember, guys, if you're interested in learning much more about Globcoin, of course, check out their website at www.globcoin.io or follow them on Twitter at Globcoin underscore IO.